Brian Noonan. Yes, I know. I was just on White Sox Weekly. Now I'm here with you at WGN, high above the river, overlooking the beautiful city of Chicago. It's the Brian Noonan Show. 312-981-7200 is how you get a hold of us. When you call in, you'll be talking to Cody. I thought I was doing the show with an empty studio golf. He is the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois. If you are nice to him, you get to me. If you want to connect with us on social media, please do so. It's uh, Brian Noonan Show on Facebook, Twitter, all of your social channels. Everything is lovely. Uh, Cody, I'm hot taked out. I got no more hot takes. I spent the last two hours doing sports hot takes. Uh, now I've got to do some theater hot takes and perhaps an opera hot take. May I make the listeners aware that you just had to bolt from one studio to another? I did. And I had to, uh, you know, I had to make a stop in the middle there. And, uh, Pam, I was racing Pam because Pam, Pam is concise with her newscasts and, uh, and everything. So I, I knew I didn't have a lot of time. I couldn't meander. This was not this was not le- a leisurely break, but uh, yes, I'm down here now, and uh, it was fun working with Carm doing White Sox Weekly. That was uh, was great after a big White Sox win, and uh, now I'm going to take a breath. Okay, there we go. Okay, oh, do you want me to fill for time. No, oh, you're done. I was, I was good. I didn't need a lot of breath. That was just quick. one. But I did. Ha- I did have to run. You saw me sprint from I, the bathroom into this studio. Literally, this was what I'm saying. People I am sh- not a guy who runs. <laughs> I don't like to run. Uh, no one was chasing me. I had not looted anything, so I didn't feel the the urge to uh, flee. And yet, I knew I had to get it. Because if, if Pam had said uh, the stories that matter on 720 WGN and nothing was here, well, you probably would have. That would have you would have seized the moment, wouldn't you? I that would have been your time to just say, ha-ha, now I'm going to finally, I'll show them what I can do. Yeah. Who needs him? You don't think I have video game music queued up? In oh, the instance that something happens at any point in time. <laughs> and we just do, what, a Game Life Balance US? Is that is that what would have happened? Maybe, yeah, maybe. All I just right. play back one of my podcasts on WGM+. Plus. Wow, that would have worked out nicely. Yeah. You have that queued up, too? Why not? I thought you'd go live. I thought you'd uh, you know, go live with some sort of new show. You know, I could. I don't know. Well, well, I could have jumped much. in with Carm the last time I, I hosted a show one time. It was with Carmen. Was it really? Yeah, like two years ago. Well, you could have you could have come in and done the last part of White Sox Weekly. Uh, no, <laughs> well, no, you couldn't. Could have. I have? No, you could. A sports show, Brian. Come yeah, on now. No, uh, no, and it's all yeah. It was, it was sports. It was fun. We talked to a couple of great guests from the White Sox. We had a good time. And uh, now I will reiterate the Happy Mother's Day wishes that we uh, wished everybody when we started White Sox Weekly. Uh, whether you're a mom who's actually given birth to somebody, a mom who has filled that role as many women do, or some guys do do too, or you're just you know somebody. This is this is. I started talking about this with Karen, but we couldn't really get into it during White Sox Weekly. But it's a, it's a tough thing, and I, I I've come to realize this more and more as the years go on that you know this is a hard day for some people. For any number of reasons, just like Father's Day, you know, any of these holidays, if you, you know, if you're lucky enough to still have your mom around and you have a good relationship with her, then yeah, this it's a traditional great happy kind of day. But for a lot of people, it's not that. So you have to kind of walk the line. But I was fortunate enough to get to spend uh, last night with my mom because we, I, I saw her last week at my niece's communion, and I was like, and I was thinking about Mother's Day. And to be quite honest, my mom's at the point she doesn't need any more stuff. You know, and I know she was going to be getting flowers from every, you know, my brothers who aren't in town and from friends. There were going to be flowers. There were going to be so many flowers at her house, it would have looked like a funeral parlor, which I'm guessing at a certain age gets depressing. Because even if you're nowhere near death, if you look around at your whole house, looks like there could be a casket in the living room, you go, hey, maybe that's enough. And anytime I would get her, you know, in the past, I've gotten her gift cards or a gift certificate to somewhere. She never uses it. And then I get upset because I'm like, hey, you know, one, I put thought into this. Two, I spent money on it. Three, I want you to enjoy yourself. And I'll say to her months later, hey, did you ever use XYZ? No, I put it somewhere. So this year I thought, you know what? What would be a better gift for my mother than spending quality time with her firstborn son? Beautiful gift. My time is my gift to my mother. So, and I got to kill two birds with one stone. So I took my mom and Debbie out to dinner last night. It was a nice combined Mother's Day. Uh, everybody seemed happy with it. And uh, and that's that. Did you do anything for your mom? Did, tell me you called her and didn't text her. 
I, Tell me you called your mother and actually spoke with her or left her a voice message. There were phones involved. Good. All right. Yeah. Yeah, even if she's not there, even if she's not, you know, even if she doesn't pick up, at least then she hears your voice. Other than just, you know, you misspelling something and it being autocorrected. Happy Moth's Day. That doesn't make any sense. And then there's the poop emoji and a bottle of champagne. I don't know what kind of text you send your mom, but that would be would seem awkward. I also tried to be good today. You know, the founder of Mother's Day, uh, part of the spirit of the holiday originally, was spend your day as your mother would have you spend it. Wow. So, you know, don't go... So drunk and cursing? <laughs> don't go getting in fights and... You know, watching rated R movies and sex, drugs, <laughs> and rock and roll. Wait, wait a minute, is that your mom would watch you watch rated R movies? You know, I I don't really have I don't really have a, a a very clear idea of what she would have me do. I know the things that she would not have me do, and I decided to so not body, do So body body comedies are one of them. You know, I, just uh, b- bad stuff. Because uh, I was going to have a screening of Animal House after the program, but now if you're if you know. If you're that dead against, dead set against R-rated films, I won't do it. Showing, throwing rocks at trains, being late to work, stuff like that. I'm not going to wow. do that. Yeah, I, I don't even know if you were late to work. You I'm were like, here when I came running in, yeah. so that's all. The- <laughs> you know, I was, I was like, "Hey, there's Cody. That's good." I was gonna like kind of wave into you know and say hi when I got here, and I'm like, "No, I'm gonna let the suspense just you know really up the well, energy." There, I will say there was suspense because I ended and I was like, hmm, "I hope Cody's here." <laughs> And Carm said, I think I saw him. I was like, uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll see. Ah. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, look, oh, a texter from the 414. Your gift to your mother was time spent with you. I hope you gave her the receipt so she can exchange it. No refunds, ah. no exchanges. That's the gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. I just, I keep showing up. She was very happy. I'll have you know, texter from the 414. Till she, she was very upset, Cody, because I told the... Uh, Saddest Easter story ever, you know, on Easter? You tell that every year. I do. Uh, she had never really listened. What? Yeah. Uh, she never really, well, she doesn't really care for the program. Wow. And so this year she happened to be listening, and it must have gotten under her skin, because every time I've seen her since Easter, she has brought it up. And uh, I said, well, Mom, is it true? Well, yes, but you, you, uh, you may be mischaracterizing things. I said, well, did it happen? Well, yes. I said that I can't help it. You know, I I exaggerated it maybe a little for a good story, but, well, you do tell a good story. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you just wish it wasn't about you. Well, yeah. I said, well, you know, be careful or I'll tell other stories that you really don't want people to to know about. Okay. (laughs) And I don't know if that's how my mom talks. Okay. You probably not. Probably not. I don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Happy Mother's Runs Day. Runs in the family, <laughs> both of you. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Roger, you've been uh, you've been very quiet. Did you do something nice for your lovely bride on this uh, this Mother's Day? Uh, yeah. Uncharacteristically I... quiet from Roger. Would you agree, Cody? Uh, he's, uh, everyone's racing around, you know, that way. It's well, like Ro- weekly wrapped up and listen, then the Ro- whole... We all got to start. Listen, well, isn't that how we do it all the time? A show ends, another show starts. We don't take like an hour <laughs> off. We don't shut the place down. What and an they interesting go, you know, concept. We'll be back in about 58 minutes with another program this isn't 1928 where we have to you know get the crystal set warmed up to actually broadcast we're we're 24 7 here at gn we are a full service radio station major market I, i've been told i used to do uh, a segment yeah. i used to do a segment on my college radio show called 30 seconds of dead air wow <laughs> it was wildly popular i'll have you know okay <laughs> Right, because the alternative is listening to me talk. I was going to say, if I had had to weigh those two things out, I'm going to, whatever. No. So are you done scrubbing your your workspace, Roger? Yeah, we're sanitary in here. You're like Chernobyl light over there. Well, it's a hospital environment, so I have to make sure everything's sterilized. A hospital environment? Why? Well, everything's got to be sterilized. Oh, hospital. I thought you said hostile. Dude, I'm not going to lie. No, it's not hostile. Everything in this booth is like sticky to me. And I, I'm, I'm wonder how much I need to sanitize. People think the CDC would be a dangerous place to work. I mm-hmm. challenge them to come into this radio station yeah. or pretty much anywhere. Uh, well, this I, I have a, almost have a feeling this is dirtier than school. Um, it's running a close second. I would yeah, say it's pretty close. Yeah. So you're all done disinfecting now. Yeah, Everything all done. Uh, uh, disinfecting. Um, uh, so I got home early this morning from my. Oh, that's right. You worked shift. overnight. Didn't yeah. You? yeah. So uh, I already had a, a really nice card um, uh, picked out. I always do humorous cards. Had you bought it or you just picked it out? 
you I, knew which ones you were going to do. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I spent time looking for, one, a card that I knew she hadn't gotten in the last 10 years from me. Yeah, that's always uh, tough. Yeah, it, very tough. And two, something that she would get a chuckle out of but still know that I, I meant a lot of love in, in giving it to her. So uh, I had all the love that four dollars will will buy. Three fifty. I don't um, buy cards anymore. You don't? No. No. Why not? One, doesn't Debbie thinks it's a them? huge waste. No. Really? Two, she doesn't save them. Three, oh, okay. it's a huge waste. No, it's Four, not. Well, it's no, some sentiment. people lo- some people love them. Some I understand. People, oh, some people love it. Right. Uh, I just it's not my thing or my wife's. So anyway, and, you had you had cool. a beautiful card picked yeah, out. So Everything I, was lovely. I I signed it this morning when I got home because you know everyone's asleep. Uh, signed it uh, with some you know silly little you know comments and put it on the uh, couch, part of the couch where she sits in the morning and has her tea. Okay, and so I knew she would get it right away. And so when I got up finally about twelve o'clock. Um, she and walked out to go get my coffee. She smiled. Thank you. Very much. Oh, that's and lovely. gave her a nice kiss. And then, since everyone's running around and busy, and you know, our daughter is out with her kids, with the grandgirls, and our son's out working, and I'm here. Mm-hmm. So we're doing dinner tomorrow night. Oh, that's nice. A little later than usual, but we're still going to have a nice dinner together. Four so. fifteen. More like six forty-five. Oh my goodness! What are you? New York uh, debutantes yeah. eating yes. that late six forty five for us. What are you it's in late. Paris? This is crazy talk. That's, that's my late night. Oh nap my time. goodness, six forty five. <laughs> all right, let's do this. And then Cody and I went to the theater. Ooh. We'll tell you all about it. Happy Mother's Day. It's WGN. Yes, sirree. That is from the musical Chicago. Of course, all that jazz. That uh, from the film, all that jazz, which uh, that was Catherine Zeta Jones singing it. But the stage show, a revival of. All That Jazz was in Chicago this week. Unfortunately, it is wrapping up today, so if you did not get to see it, you are missing out. Of course, the book, the book by Fred Ebb and Bob Fosse. Uh, it, was, uh, it was very exciting to finally see it. I had seen the movie. I knew a lot of the songs. Uh, and so to sit in the theater and watch the production was, uh, was exciting for me. Now, there were a lot of people who were huge Chicago the musical fans they they obviously had seen it many times before they were singing along before the songs would even start uh it was it it is a very sexy very funny uh production it follows the uh, and, and very timely because it all revolves around a woman who wants to be famous she uh, she murders her lover and then because of that gains notoriety, and in the Chicago of that day, that notoriety could then be parlayed into a showbiz career. And there's another there's another uh, female prisoner who had, she, oh man, she was getting all the headlines. And then, Lana, and then this new, oh, then Roxy kills somebody, and Roxy takes over the headlines, and it uh, just becomes... Just becomes a thing. Now, I I have to confess, in the first act, I was very distracted because having had this musical in the zeitgeist for so long, the Bob Fosse jazz hands thing has become kind of a joke in the theater. And this is one of the musicals that, that invented that move. And so to see it actually unironically in a production... I was like, oh, they're they're kind of doing a thing. And I was like, no, they're not doing a thing. The jazz hands are part of the show. So once I got past that, because you know, I'm you know, I'm like a lot of you, I get distracted at the smallest things. But the songs were great. Uh they brought in Eddie George, former NFL star Eddie George, Heisman Trophy winner Eddie George, to uh play the role of the sleazy lawyer, the man who is supposed to be representing all of the all of the uh the female criminals Billy Flynn is his name and he's in it for the money and he's in it for the fame he is the quintessential sleazebag lawyer and Eddie George played him very well now i will be honest Eddie George a great football player he has reinvented himself and has done a lot of acting he started an acting troupe in Nashville he's very active down there he has done Shakespeare uh, he did a fine job, and he is a, a smart casting move for the traveling company of Chicago. 
because the name Eddie George is going to get some men who may not want to come to the show with their uh, with either by themselves or with their friends or their uh, their partners. They may not want to come to the show and they'll go, oh, but, you know, Eddie George is in it. Like, would I go see a Michael Jordan musical? You bet I would. I don't care what Michael Jordan's doing in a musical. I'm going to go see it. Is it. Am I going to see him in King Lear? Yeah, probably, because it's Michael Jordan. So people feel the same with Eddie George. And he does. Cody, and you can you can feel free to weigh in on this, because Cody and his lovely wife were at the theater, along with my uh, myself and Debbie. I thought he did a capable job. As I said to Carm at the end of White Sox Weekly, Eddie George isn't going to win a Tony for his performance of Billy Flynn. But was he believable enough in the part? Yes. Did he carry the tune? Sure. I, there was. He does one song where I think his voice was not as strong enough to really get the audience reaction that I think the song was meant to get. But that doesn't mean it was a bad performance. It's just he was he was performing, I think, to his capacity. And it was a, a fine, passable job Yeah, as Billy say, Flynn. I will say, musically, uh, not as strong as he was just in terms of his presence, was charismatic, really Charismatic. Very, very yeah, charismatic. Very, uh, he reminded me of The Rock, Dwayne yes. The Rock Johnson, with his just his attitude and his energy. Well, his... He, still got, he still looks like an NFL player. Yes. And he comes down and he, he commands your attention. When he walks on stage in that double-breasted tux, he commands your attention. And he did. So in that way, he did a fine job. Is his voice the best for a, a big theater? Because this was at the Cadillac Palace. And you've got to be big to fill that joint. Maybe he'd be better served in a smaller venue, but that's we saw it in the Cadillac Palace, and I thought, I thought he did a fine job. It wasn't something that I was like, man, this guy's got a future in musical theater. But it, I, I wasn't upset that I saw Eddie George in Chicago. Some of those other voices, though, holy moly. The woman, uh, Dillis Croman, who played Roxy Hart, and Lana Gordon, who played Velma Kelly, those women could sing, as well as Big Mama is, is always one of the central focuses of, the in a supporting role, quote-unquote supporting role, the actresses who've played Big Mama before and who've... Uh, played her in on screen have always been great and jennifer fouché played her here in chicago and again uh talk about charismatic a great voice a wonderful presence on stage so she was she was terrific one of the best performances i've seen at a broadway in chicago production i think really she, she just she oh she nailed she it. obliterated yeah. i mean you're you're just sitting there and it's like oh my goodness top notch She's done. Uh, she's done this show. She's been part of this national tour of Chicago for a while. She's done a lot of other things. She did great. Um, the dancing. Uh, let me tell you, Cody. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, there was a lot of sexy dancing going on in the show. A lot of abs. A lot of abs. And man, those guys could. I don't know how you get your hip to move like that. You know, it's like it's like the hips are kind of greased and they just kind of roll. And they, I was like, holy smokes! So. Overall, I would give I would give uh, Chicago a three out of four bow ties because uh, I thought it was I thought it was fine. If you missed it, I'm sorry. You would have would have been a nice night out. If you are a fan of the show, you would have really liked it. Um, yeah, so there you go. Next up, we'll see something else and we'll talk about it. But after the news, we're going to talk to the folks from Chicago Fringe Opera. We're so arty here on WGN. You know, we are nothing if not uh, unbelievably cultured on this program, and that is why I am very happy to welcome uh, some representatives from the Chicago Fringe Opera. Catherine O'Shaughnessy is the music director, and Janie Parsons is playing piano in the brand new production, Love Wounds, which opens Friday night at the Chicago Fringe Opera. Now, Cody has been singing. Welcome, ladies. First of all, we're glad you're here. Great to be here. Thank you. Cody has been singing the praises of Chicago Fringe Opera for some time. Cody enjoys putting on a cape and a top hat and mm-hmm. pretending he is the phantom of the opera. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been talking about this. So tell tell us a little bit about the Chicago Fringe Opera, because people hear that, well, Fringe Opera, but you guys have been around for a long time getting rave, rave reviews, correct? 
Thanks. Um, I certainly hope so. We uh, we pride ourselves in kind of exploring what opera can be. We don't usually perform in big opera houses. Okay. The cape and top hat are completely optional. We won't ever <laughs> tell anyone no, but jeans and shorts are totally fine, too. Um, I like that already. Yeah, and we've done things kind of staged in the round. But generally, we, we like to have the singers within 20 feet or so of the audience. And so it's really you get a chance to experience this art form really front and center. What's the biggest misconception? Because I'll be honest, I... I've only seen two operas, and I'm not, I'm just not the biggest opera fan. I love theater, I like musical theater. Opera, for some reason, I miss it. What am I missing? And what, what do people, what don't people get about opera that the Chicago Fringe Opera is trying to make, I think, more accessible? Well, I think what people don't get is that it comes in many shades and colors and flavors. Yes. So if you like musical theater, I guarantee that there is opera that will overlap for you. Um, and if you like Mozart, that's one, that's a different style. And the, the main thing is that it's not, um, we, we try not to be unapproachable. I think we, okay. people often think of it as an art form that is only for the... Um, the well-heeled, the, yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but if you actually get to know opera singers and opera conductors like me, um, <laughs> we tend to be a kind of crazy bunch. So, <laughs> and not necessarily as people imagine opera singers would be. So what, that's part of what we're trying to do by making it such an in, in these intimate performances. You get yeah. a chance to really see the individuals performing and seeing that they're people too. And that these are people people's stories that are being told and are you you're doing are you doing uh classic opera pieces uh original pieces that are uh, written just for chicago fringe opera where where do you draw your material from well we do primary we like to perform in the local vernacular um so far that's pretty much been english um we have a couple projects in the works to maybe talk about like bilingualism and that sort of thing but generally we, we are in English, and we like contemporary work. So I think one of the oldest pieces we've done is by Benjamin Britten, but we also did a world premiere a couple years back. This performance coming up includes a world premiere orchestration that was uh, orchestrated specifically for the ensemble we're collaborating with, Latitude 49. Um, and then in the fall, I, th- I think this isn't a spoiler, we're doing a piece by Tom Waits. Actually. Oh, wow, really? So we, we like to, we, we kind of joke that if you, d- if you don't like what you see, come back, because next time it won't be anything like it. And if you like it, well, then you have to go and search out something more <laughs> like that yourself, because <laughs> it's not going to come around again for some time. Now, you mentioned that Love Wounds is in a collaboration with Latitude 49, right. and Janie, you are part of that ensemble, correct? Yeah, that's right. So what is Latitude 49? It sounds like a great place to get, like, a tiki drink, Which, <laughs> because it is, that is actually a bar in New Orleans called Latitude 49. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Hopefully we don't have any copyright issues. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> um, Latitude 49 is a new music sextet. So um, we're basically, we call ourselves a new music band. Uh, it's piano, percussion, violin, cello, clarinet, and saxophone. And um, so we're a mixed group. We have um, our primary things that we do. We do a lot of work with composers and new music. Um, all of us are... Uh, have careers in teaching and performing as classical musicians, and we just all love the uh, creation of new music and being part of the creative experience and bringing something to life. So our mission is really to partner with composers to present new music and also to encourage, not just within the arts community, but to encourage people who perhaps feel a little intimidated by classical music or even opera. You know, this kind of ties into what you were talking about with opera is that from the outside, sometimes these things seem like these pillars of kind of cultural, you know, cultural pillars that have a sort of are steeped in tradition. Well, because I think most people, people who are not the uninitiated, they drive by the Civic Opera House and it's this giant ornate palace of opera and you see pictures in the paper or on the news of the openings and everybody's... Dressed to the nines, (laughs) and you're like, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, and I think that's something that both Latitude 49 and Chicago Fringe Opera um, do really well, is that, and it's a reason why this partnership has worked so well, is that we both really feel strongly about bringing art to the people and having art and music be something relevant in our lives, not having it being something that's separated or feeling other. So hence the reason that Chicago Fringe it pr- primarily does English operas. They want okay. to connect. Right. And we feel that that's a big part of what we want to do, too. We want to connect newly written music for instruments, um, concert music, which is a little different than popular music, mm-hmm. um, more staged. You know, there's something about it. It's a, like a curated art experience. And so we want to bring that to people and actually have them feel like, wow, this is something that really reflects my world 
and is something interesting and new to try. And I, I think both um, organizations have found a new audience in some way with people we're finding that a lot of people want to try new experiences. Sure. And they, they may not look at opera or classical concerts as something to try, but they might be willing to try a kind of funky new music opera experience in a stage 773 where we'll be doing this show. Yeah. And, you know, um, grab a drink and see some interesting things, meet the composer himself. And so it's it's those kind of experiences that make people feel like, wow, this is actually... Like, I can connect with this art, as opposed to it being something that they sit back and they're very far from. Right. You're removed and you're watching it. And plus, exactly. from a, a very simple standpoint, the price point is terrific. It's $35 to go. And so to try a new art form, you're not, in, you know, you're not investing a mortgage payment. Oh, like, yeah, oh, I, absolutely. I would, you know, <laughs> I, I want to go and see something. And again, be, be that much closer to it. Is it so... Latitude 49 and uh, Chicago Friends Opera have worked together before. This is a collaboration, or is this, or is this the first time you guys have worked together? <laughs> this is our first production together, Ooh. but it's a production that um, has been about two years in the making. Yeah, that's right. Um, maybe, and in fact, that somewhat predates even my time with Fringe Opera. So, Janie, do you want to talk a little about how that? Yeah, came to be? sure, sure. So, a couple of years ago, we have a good friend of ours from Chicago, John Beerbesay, who introduced me to um, the Chicago Fringe Opera, and he is someone that I would say is just one of these people that is like a great connector. Okay, and mm-hmm. so. He had said to me, you really need to meet the people at Chicago Fringe Opera. They're doing some really great things. And he had simultaneously said the same thing to them about us. Ah. And so he'd kind of created this. It was like, a you know, the blind date scenario. Yes. <laughs> so you've both been talked up a lot by yeah. the people putting you together. <laughs> exactly. And so so I met with um, with someone from the from the Chicago Fringe Opera side. And we started thinking about what we could do, okay. um, how this would look what kind of composer we would want to work with. And um, we had some experience with Christopher Cerrone on the Latitude 49 side. Um, my husband and I, he's the percussionist in our group. Oh, okay. We had commissioned him to, to arrange a duo that he had written previously for piano and percussion. We've played it quite a lot. And my husband's worked with him with a big percussion solo piece that he played. And so we had this connection with him. He's a really bright up-and-coming composer. He's had some really great success in the last few years, won a Rome Prize, was a finalist for the Pulitzer. And so we thought, you know, he's right at this point in his career where we can still afford him. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, always important. Yeah, yeah. So we got really excited about this project. And he's, um, the the opera that he had previously written, Invisible Cities, was the piece that was a shortlist for the Pulitzer. Oh. And so we thought, you know, he's someone that actually has his hands in the opera scene. Right. And really where he shines is in bringing literature, which is one of his big passions, mixing with music. Well, let's take a, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about Love Wounds, because as I was reading the synopsis, I was like, this this is definitely a show, I don't care how old you are, I don't care man, woman, you can relate to the subject matter in this show. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we've got Catherine O'Shaughnessy. She is the music director for Chicago Fringe Opera. And Janie Parsons plays piano for Latitude 49. The collaboration Love Wounds, it starts this Friday, the 17th of May. You can go to chicagofringeopera.com to get all the details. More with the ladies and more about the Fringe Opera on the other side. It's WGN. All right, we are talking opera, but not your granddaddy's opera. No, a cool, accessible, modern opera. The uh, Catherine O'Shaughnessy is the musical director for Chicago Fringe Opera, and she is joined by Janie Parsons, who plays the piano in the ensemble that is uh, Latitude 49. And Chicago Fringe Opera and Latitude 49 are collaborating for a new show, Love Wounds. It opens May 17th, and it is uh, running at Stage 773 on Belmont, a really cool venue. You can go to Chicago fringeopera.com to get all the information on tickets and showtimes and parking. I will say you guys give a lot of information, which is very helpful, because if if people haven't been up there like, oh, I don't know, Belmont, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot going on up there. There's a lot of theaters. So this helps. It's it's very good. Okay. Let's talk about the this show, because you mentioned that uh, Christopher Cerrone had done a play before that was shortlisted for the, or an opera before that was shortlisted for the Pulitzer Prize. And now... Does he have this idea, or do you, Catherine and uh, Le- and Janie from Ladder 249, do you guys approach him and say, we would like you to uh, to create a piece for us? How does that work? Yeah, 
Oh, hold on. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, so the way this worked was um, we knew that he had this little opera that he had written, uh, (laughs) mini opera, as I sometimes call it. It's just a one-act opera, Um, but it hadn't been fully orchestrated. It was just, it had been shown in a very minimal um, instrumental form, just with piano. And so three singers and a pianist. Um, But it was very obvious to me that there was, the music was calling out to be Ah. fully, you know, fully instrumented with, with more than just piano. And so I approached Chris about it after having conversations with Chicago Fringe Opera. And he was very, very excited about the prospect of, um, you know, rearranging this opera for us. And it was really a neat thing because um, Latitude 49, we love doing stuff that's with composers, and we also love having stuff that's written specifically for our instrumentation. And okay. so this works so well. Each of the members of the group gets uh, lots of moments to shine amidst the three soloists. And um, it's it's going to be a really, really neat thing. It's an unusual opera in the sense that we're actually going to be, as musicians, on stage oh, wow. okay. with, the, um, with the singers. And so there's a real collaboration there, too, in the sense that Visually, you're seeing us all come together and and really put this on um, with uh, with lots of stuff happening. A dancer too. So, oh, yeah. now, see, that's what I wanted to ask Catherine about because you you mentioned when we were off the air, uh, Janie had a, a great analogy. People are looking for new experiences, mm-hmm. and if you go if you go to a beer tasting, you're going to try things you haven't tasted before. This. Like I said, this is not your stereotypical opera. You mentioned there's a lot of stuff going on. Tell us about the show. What is what is Love Wounds about? We can guess from the title, but right. Um, well, we the show itself, the evening is about a two hour evening, including an intermission. But the opera is only the last half hour of that. Oh, that's kind of the culminating moment of the evening. But before that, we have two song cycles and some instrumental pieces, some of which are danced. So it really is a tasting plate of a lot of different art forms. And once we set the program, we it's kind of the, the theme kind of came out of the pieces that were chosen. Oh, okay. um, we started finding lots of themes that went through all of them, and all of this kind of like reaching out for love and. And sometimes, like, having difficulty making the connection. Yeah. I think we've all had that experience at some point. And especially in today's times when social media is a way of both being in contact and also being quite distant from the people we're interacting with. And so um, our fabulous director, Susan Payne O'Brien, um, fa- found some of these themes and has staged these two song cycles, which had never been staged before, to my knowledge. And... Um, pulled in Enid Smith, who's dancing, and has created this evening that really is creating a sound world and a larger narrative than just the opera itself. So it's not, it, yeah. it sounds very eclectic and very, very unique. And again, if you've never been to Stage 773, one of the things that both of you pointed out for Chicago Fringe Opera is the intimacy. Mm-hmm. And Stage 773, their spaces are smaller. How many people would, will be at... I think it seats about 80. 80, that's right. That is unbelievable. And it's you know, you're right on top of the performers so you Definitely. really get to really get is that when you're when you're trying to write the music and perform it does how much does the venue play into what you are composing? Or what you're what you're writing and performing? Yeah, um, it it has a huge effect as far as musicians go because um, I will say that I've played in spaces where we've been it's been small and intimate and they've been packed and that always feels really nice yeah. when you can offer people something that's really special and intimate, especially as a chamber ensemble. Um, and I've been in places where it's a huge space and we have an even larger audience than we've had in a small space, but it feels kind of isolated. Yeah. And so the nice thing about Stage 773, it's actually, you know, it is a really intimate space and we're going to be on, we're not in some sort of elevated stage. We're right on the on the floor. Yeah, and, you know, so what we want is we want people to be welcomed into the space, into this intimate space with us and experience um, their own emotions as they go through kind of being guided in some way by these different uh, threads that, that kind of come through this show. Threads of love, loss, identity, space between people. And each of the each of the works showcases a certain thing about us. So some of them are, you know, a little more reflective and historical. Certainly the opera has sort of ties into Greek mythology okay. and stuff like that. And then, you know, one of the song cycles, I Will Learn to Love a Person, is... Um, set uh, is a setting of poetry by Taolin, and that's very, you know, millennial poetry about, 
you know, kind of text style, like texting style okay. poetry about love and, you know, I'll be right back. And this so kind of you like, say, you know, very common language poetry. Explain for myself and other people who might, what's a song cycle? Is it a group of songs that yeah, have exactly. a common theme? Is exactly. that, that what it is? Yeah, so a song cycle is basically a set of songs, different songs that are kind of tied together. Okay. So, you know, it might be one poet um, who wrote four or five different poems yeah. and then each of those are set to a different song okay. but one kind of leads into the other usually they're always uh, composed by the same composer and if they have poetry usually the poetry is by the same author wow. and so there's sort of thematic things that tie it together well it sounds it sounds like a great night out whether you've whether you're an opera aficionado or you're looking for a new experience and you you know you like going to live events you like going to live theater you love music this sounds like it sounds like the place to be Absolutely. Yeah. And also, I will say a great thing. It's not this is a kid friendly show, too. Oh, you know, okay. we have student tickets, too. And, um, you know, if you're if you're looking for a date night, if you are an opera aficionado <laughs> or if you're someone that just wants to try something new um, and if you, you know, you want to grab a beer at the bar, this is the place. It's a great what well, it's a great neighborhood to go totally. to see a show that, that Belmont corridor has a lot going on. It's easily acceptable, accessible by from the CTA. You've got uh, there's valet parking. There's all kinds of things. You can get all that information as well as you mentioned the student tickets only twenty bucks. If you're in the if you're a student or in the industry, I'll leave it to you guys to decide what industry <laughs> as you uh, as you take the tickets. Those are only twenty bucks. General admission thirty five dollars, which is unbelievable unbelievably reasonable to see a piece of original art. Uh, Love wounds opens. May 17th, which is this Friday at Stage 773. You can go to chicagofringeopera.com to get all the information. Uh, it sounds like a wonderful night. Thank you, ladies, for being here. Janie Parsons is part of Latitude 49. They are providing the music. And uh, Christine O'Shaughnessy, Catherine O'Shaughnessy, sorry, Catherine. Christine's my sister. Okay. Uh, sorry, Catherine. <laughs> Catherine O'Shaughnessy is the music director for Chicago Fringe Opera. It was great to have you. Thanks much for success with us. the show. We'll talk again. Thank you very much. All right, let's do this, and then it'll be news. News time, 720 WGN. Now, Cody, you said that you you had more to say. We talked to our friends from the Chicago Fringe Opera and Latitude 49, chicagofringeopera.com, latitude49music.com, for all the information about the new show. You were uh, you said, oh, I will have more to say. <laughs> you were very, you were, oh, you were so excited that you had more to say. You didn't say anything while the ladies were here, but now you have more to say. I was producing. Now I'm what not does that producing. Mean? I just stopped. What does that mean you were producing? Hey, it means nothing. Uh-huh. I, know, I was writing show notes. Going to post this uh, whole ep- whole show as a podcast on WGNRadio.com after the show. But uh, I just was going to say, I've seen a few of their shows. The yes. ones I saw were at the Chopin Theater. See, that's why I got confused, uh, because I know they have performed out of the Chopin Theater, yeah. which is at, uh, it's on Chicago. Yeah, it's on Chicago. No, the, no. the Chopin Theater is at uh, Milwaukee and uh, Division and Division, uh, right. Ashland. Yeah, where they all intersect at that crazy blue line stop yeah yeah, um, yeah so yeah that's that chopin theater but this is at stage 773 which is in the belmont corridor which is right down the street from where uh i performed tony and tina for it is it's right, right in, down the street right down the street from where i live basically there's so. a lot of stuff there it's yeah a beautiful beautiful area seven, so, seven have you been into 773 before i have i actually i've seen a couple shows there one of them was uh one of my niece's uh productions my niece took some sort of uh she took some sort of theater classes, I don't know, uh, when she, when they were living here when she was young, and we went there to see a, a children's production, which was it was very nice. Very nice. It was very nice. And I do love the intimate spaces, yeah. kind of black box theater kind of deals that they have there. Well, cool. Have you been there before? I've been there for many a show over the years. Wow. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, it just struck me because you were, you know, talking about the accessibility of the opera and the first Chicago Fringe Opera performance I saw felt like a musical. And it, yeah. It was, on, that one was only an hour. It was one act, it was just an hour long and then you're out. You know, like, yeah, oh. this one's two hours, which is not bad. Uh, some, some shows, and I, we've commented on this in the past, show, some shows tend to go a little long. A little, uh, little too much. Oh, some other performances? Some other performances. Not yeah. theirs, but just other performances in general. I, I also just got to say real quick, you know what What didn't go long was Thursday, my wife and I went to the Chicago Shakespeare Theater. They are doing Hamlet. Really? Right now, and it was unbelievable. That's the one on Navy Pier? Yeah. Yeah? Out on Navy Pier. Absolutely really? go see it. And I, I didn't get... 
you know, I have no media contacts there. No one's paying me to say That's this. That's a shame. But it it is the it is the second most enjoyable performance I've really? seen. Really? Yeah, I really really enjoyed it, and the, it wasn't even full. There were a lot of empty seats, so I don't know what it, it seems is. Wrong. But if you don't, I mean, if you don't think that you want to go see Hamlet, you're wrong. <laughs> if you don't think you have not thought about it enough, if you think that you don't want to see it. <laughs> Well, Cody, now I've seen Shakespeare in Stratford-upon-Avon, so I don't know mm. if uh, seeing, uh, you know, this to be, what a tool, <laughs> what a tool I sound like. Because that show I didn't understand at all, the <laughs> what I saw in Stratford-upon-Avon, I, I have no idea. It was like a second or third tier Shakespeare show with uh, that reminded me of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. It was insane. <laughs> It would just, there was there actually were motorcycles and people with mohawks and it was I was like what what's going on here? It was it was wild. Do you know how many uh, venues around town have discounts for people under thirty five and forty? No, I wouldn't know that. Well, I because do. Because I'm not seriously. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, if you're listening and you're like around my age, like mid thirties or younger, like the Lyric Opera has really? discounts. I believe maybe the CSO does. What do they call it? The Millennial Discount? I think they call it the We Need to Get Young People in Our Theaters yes. because a lot of our audience is gonna, you know, they're up there in years. Well, and people, you know, going to those events is expensive. Also that. Yeah. It's it's it costs a lot of money to be cultured. Yeah, but you get big discounts if you want to go to the Chicago Shakespeare Theater. So really, yeah, youngins listening to this, dude, take a date night. It's so good, and it runs like three hours, but it it flew by, flew by. Speaking of culture, uh, there's some there's a big K-pop festival happening at Soldier Field tonight. Yeah, I saw that Roger's on Twitter. Been Roger's been reporting on the traffic last night. Uh, the the BTS kids, uh, the the. I don't know. Uh, I'm not. How many I, of them are there? Like a hundred? No, th- no. There are uh, seven in BTS. There are okay. seven members of BTS. They are the preeminent K-pop band. I think they're the the boy band. Now there's K-pop, uh, which for the uninitiated is Korean pop. Um, there are female K-pop bands, but BTS is uh, one of the biggest, well, as they... evidenced by the fact that you cannot go on Lakeshore Drive now. Because there's a million well, you can screaming if you teenagers. Walk around, it'll take you a couple hours, but yeah, there's heavy traffic. Really, you're going to yeah. call? You're, you're going to? That's what you choose to argue with me about? No, I'm. I was trying to be facetious, and I I failed. You failed miserably. Yes. Miserably. Um, they did appear what two weeks ago on Saturday Night Live? Two yes. or three weeks ago? Yep. And they won like every major award almost at the latest. Uh, um, musical awards, I think Billboard or whichever one was on about a month or so ago. Oh, man. So, yeah, they're huge. Yes, so there were uh, thousands and thousands of fans uh, yesterday at Soldier Field. Um, it is part of the Love Yourself, Speak for Yourself World Tour. The first set was supposed to begin at 7.30 sharp. So, uh, Cody, the fan base is called the Army, Adorable Representative MC for Youth. It's the... The moniker for the group's dedicated fan base, according to the Tribune Review, and uh, so they are. Uh, BTS is in the in the house. Are you familiar with any? Now you're a big uh, you. You like to keep yourself on the cutting edge, Cody. Are you familiar with any of the uh, K-pop? I'm only familiar with BTS because when I get on Twitter, sometimes I see the trending topic is one of the members. And every month or so, uh, every maybe three to four weeks, yeah. one of the top trending topics worldwide or nationwide or whatever is this k-pop group so they're big they're huge really big and i up until about a month ago i had no idea what k-pop was no idea whatsoever do you know what j-pop is uh i don't even want to hazard a guess because i'd probably offend someone it's japanese pop is that right for sure i've known about j-pop for a while because i'm an anime fan oh I thought that this was. I thought the video was starting. Yeah, so that was not my fault this time. <laughs> no, I was. It was the video was supposed to start, but they had some weird production company stinger. Oh, so this is the is official. This is Kate. This is this uh, is K-pop. This is BTS. This is their official music video for DNA. I'll tell you, Cody. One is cuter than the next. Yeah, I don't know. You know what it looks like? It looks like uh, uh, Korean boys to men or Korean in sync. 
which is basically what it is. And a lot of them are, they're very, they're, uh, I'm trying to think of the politically correct way to say this. They're very, they're bird-like, some of these young men. They look very androgynous and non-threatening, I think, which may be part of their appeal as well. Yeah. I want to I make note, Cody. I want you to make note of what we've covered so far since 5.30. We've covered uh, Mother's Day. We've covered Chicago the Musical. We've covered opera. And now we've covered K-pop. This is not the show that uh, I think most people would envision us doing. And yet, these guys have taken over the world. Not only the world, but uh, they've taken over Soldier Field. Two nights! Two nights in Soldier Field. I wonder if this is like a Menudo situation, where they get to a certain age and they just get bounced out. Because maybe... I would imagine BTS fans can identify and tell the difference between the seven young men that are that are dancing about with various colored hair and you know, but it it, it does remind me of New Kids on the Block and uh, you know all those all the boy bands in Sync and Backstreet Boys, all of those from the '90s. Except now they're coming from Korea and they're singing in Korean, and yet they're huge. And I'm not listen. I'm not saying it's bad or good. Because it's very, very popular. It's not. It's not the thing a middle-aged man should be listening to, or, or, or not the thing that this middle-aged man is listening to as he rolls down the street in his hoopty. You know, that's not my. That's not my. Uh, my game. Are you into this, Cody, or do you like J-pop better? Which, if you had to vote between K-pop and J-pop, which would you? Uh, which would you prefer? I've heard a lot more J-pop, but that Gangnam style was pretty good. That was K-pop. That kind of, really? Pretty Gangnam sure style was K-pop? K-pop? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was like 87. <laughs> Wasn't he that he, guy? He's not a Korean boy band, but it was definitely K-pop. Yeah, it's K-pop. A lot of these, uh, the more I watch this video, a lot of these uh, young men look like young women. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's not, you know, and that's not a slam. It just, you go, oh, I don't, you know, they're very young. Uh... Yeah, androgyny is a really big thing in Japanese animation. Is it? Which is really my main media exposure to the, uh, you know, media. That's your main media exposure to most things? That part of the world. Sure, yeah. All right. We're going to bump back with some Dragon Ball Z. Forget Danzig. All right, listen. You know, Danzig is our Mother's Day tradition, but that's all right. So BTS, if if you're coming down Lakeshore Drive now and you're like, oh, is there a Bears game? There sure seems to be a lot of people. And then you do a double take and you go... Boy, a lot of those people seem to be like fourteen-year-old girls. They're not. They're not going to a Bears game, are they? No, there's no Bears game tonight. They are ready to. BTS is ready to rock you. Um, it just. Uh, but they got a great review in the trip. You want to head down after the show, see if we can scalp a couple tickets. Listen, do we have any? Uh, if we if we had a couple of ins, if we knew somebody in the uh, in the K-pop PR game. Sure. All right. If you're working in the box me, office at Soldier Field me, right now, let me tell you something. I go wandering into a BTS show. I am immediately targeted by law enforcement, <laughs> as I should be. There is no if if you see me just standing in the back with my head bobbing a little bit in a trench coat, you know you should come and get me out of that uh, get me out of that venue. There is no chance I should be anywhere near this uh, because even looking at the uh, the pictures of the army. The their their fans. That's it. Um, there was a big, uh, big promotion at uh, Kimchi, Kimchi Pop in Noble Square. They are uh, they were doing specials all weekend. They're a Korean restaurant. Uh, they had a family photo shoot for uh, for the band at Buckingham Fountain. That people went crazy. These women, I, they, Roger mentioned they were on Saturday Night Live. Well. That studio was swarmed. They were on the Today Show that week, too. That place was swarmed. Word gets out that it's like the Beatles. You want me to get them in the in studio? I would love... If you could get BTS to come on this program, you would never have to book another guest. <laughs> I would like... You know what I would like to do? I would like to have BTS on the same night as at the breweries, so they could come around... They could hang around, have a couple of really strong beers, and sing drunken K-pop. Are they old enough? 
to drink here? I don't know how uh, how that. Uh, perhaps they're old enough in Korea, and this is almost like a consulate. We are we we have our own rules of law here, right? So this is this is like being in an embassy. Well, we're we're on the air, and it's kind sure. of like airplane law. Yeah, we're international waters. Sure, we'll run that by Karen and see if that holds any water. Uh, no pun intended. We'll see if that uh, if that works out. So we'll do that in just a couple of minutes when Karen comes in to promote her show. But uh, if you're again, if you're on Lakeshore Drive and you're wondering what is going on, well, duh, BTS is in town. Get with the program. There we go. It's a Mother's Day tradition on this program. The most touching song about moms ever. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Did you like that I talked to right up to the tell post? Were you impressed? Not to hear my words, what I was. Be, what say. Mother. Yeah. Every Mother's Day we play this song, and every Mother's Day my mom wants less and less to do with me. <laughs> Just because of that. Just another reason. Listen, <laughs> she, uh... <laughs> She always says we're damn lucky to have her. I, I yes. think uh, it goes both ways, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But on Mother's Day, we, we celebrate moms and yeah. uh, the, the women who, who fill that role. So hopefully that uh, if, you, if you are one of those women, you had a lovely day. And if not, and today is difficult, it is almost done. So we will uh, move on from there. Um, you, look very, uh, you look very intense there, Roger. Uh, I, I was. Look, I look up, and one, you're being you're being uncharacteristically quiet tonight. Well, I'm listening to you. Well, I have a lot to say. I, I don't blame you for listening. It's uh, fascinating. It is fascinating every time I open my mouth. Extremely. <laughs> I almost, uh, I almost uh, had, I almost died Friday once again. What? I had, well, I had the pleasure. You know, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked to the people from the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild, right? And beer under glass was Friday night, which oh. was a lovely event. At uh, the Garfield Park Conservatory, so uh, we got to go there. And uh, man, oh man, the uh, yeah, I'm I'm too old to be sampling like a hundred beers. They're just too much. But the glasses are real small. Yeah, so. but a hundred little small glasses <laughs> uh, is still a lot of glasses. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's do this. We'll t- we'll take a quick break because Karen Conti has rolled into the studio. So we will take this break and then we will come back and we will talk to her and find out if there are any legal stories that have to be talked about. I don't. I don't. We'll find out. Karen will tell us after this. WGN. All right. It has been lovely speaking with you this afternoon, uh, sharing the mic with Mark Carmen during White Sox Weekly. And now Karen Conti is in the studio, and uh, your show starts in mere moments. What are you going to be talking about today? Well, I'm going to open up a conversation about favored children. Did your mother favor a child? You as a mother, do you really? I mean, you say you love them all the same. That's not true, is it? Now, see, if you asked my brothers, they would say I was my mom's favorite. Oh. If you asked my mom, she would tell you she doesn't have any favorites. Well, of course not. If you ask me, I would say I don't, I don't know. But we, uh, then the rest of us always thought brother number two was my dad's favorite. Yes. So... I, I think it, it's... It, it's a yeah. very serious issue. Actually, books have been written about it, and the studies show that those kinds of resentments not only go through like the, the parent and the, and the child, but the siblings, mm-hmm. and it lasts your whole life, and that people who are the favored child tend to do better in life. Really? And peop- and But the people well, who are disfavored... Well, I was obviously nobody's favorite. That is... <laughs> oh, right. Brian, I, know I, it's think very sad. I think you're successful. Well, listen, Molly, Molly is an only child, and I like number two better, so... <laughs> Think of what a position she's in. She's in a lot of trouble. Poor Molly, she didn't have a fighting chance. Nope. nope. Well, this is so. Wow, this is a, a divisive topic on Mother's Day. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear people talk about it because I want to. I want to get it out of everyone's system. All yes. right, just get it out, and they can yeah. be anonymous if they say it's one child over another. They don't have to give their name. They can right. muffle their voice. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a lot of other legal stuff. Well, this uh, this sounds juicy. I can't wait to hear this. Yes. Good luck. Have a great All show. All right. Happy Good Mother's to Day to everyone. All right. I will talk to you again next week. Have a lovely, lovely evening. Uh, the Rokan Show has the sounds that matter. The top five at five on The Rokan Show with Anna Devlandes. Weekday afternoons on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news is sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. Seven o'clock on the nose. There he is, the always lovely Roger Badish.